Welcome to the Screamcast episode 145. I am Sean DeRager and with me is Brad Henderson. Hey. Also joining us is the lovely Stephanie Crawford. Hello, children. <laughs> Today we are wrapping up um, Brad's trip to Fantastic Fest. Not actually, I guess not wrapping up. Uh, he will tell all about about his trip to Austin, Texas, and the films that he watched, and all the uh, everything else that entails all of that. Um, but uh, first, we need to direct you guys to the website because Stephanie, you and Mike Delaney have been doing these things called puff pieces. You've uh, done a couple write ups. You and him together, correct? Yes. Um, With um, yes. Sorry. No. Yeah. Uh, if you just <laughs> let everyone know, like, what that's all about, because uh, Mike dropped me a line about that, and I was like, "Hell yeah, we'll post those on the site." Yeah, it was the Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival. It was the second one they did, um, and it was pretty great. I saw a lot of unusual films, a lot of great short films. Uh, we have two of those up there. Uh, we have Imitation Girl, uh, which was probably my favorite. And we also have a review of um, Charismata, which is a British thriller with kind of a satanic twist. Mm. So, yeah, if you want to go over there, we have all the links and we have information. And I hope it goes on for a long time because it's a really kind of punk rock, unusual a little film festival up there in Philadelphia, and it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Brad is with us today to, like I said, uh, tell us about his trip to Fantastic Fest and and everything that uh, goes along with that. A lot, uh, lot of stuff all wrapped into that. I know that I tweeted out when, Brad, when you were down there that I was like, we're going to focus on the films and everything. That's all we want to focus on because it would do, you know, I wanted to, Make sure we're talking about the filmmakers and the films, but you know, as with uh, Fantastic Fest and and all the stuff that goes along with it, there's you know, everyone has had been wanting to hear reports on what it was like there, what the what the feeling was like, what people were talking about. Um, so that's all going to get kind of wrapped into this conversation, I believe. So um, I know some people were wanting us just to focus on films. I'm like, in this case, it's probably impossible. So Brad, I'm going to turn it over to you and. Uh, for uh, for your your uh, report, man. Hey, Sean. Hey, hey Brad. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, this was my um, was it eighth Fantastic Fest um, wow. since 2010. I've been going, so it is um, for me. Uh, you know, historically speaking, it's one of my favorite times of the year. Um, it's a time that I can go see great films and hang out with some of my best friends, um, have some good food. Um, so I wait, you know, a year, almost count down for the days. Uh, as soon as it's ended, I start counting down again. Um, just because it's, it's just a great festival. Um, in order to kind of segue into the movies, there was a lot of people that, um, ask me. Uh, if I was still going to go uh, after the events and the light was shed on um, kind of the draft house, you know, kind of a, their little business thing with with Farachi, as everybody knows, long story short, Farachi assaulted somebody. 
um, has numerous accounts of just shady behavior in general as well. So it's just not that. Um, that's I think that a thing that people were taking to heart, um, which they should, and a lot of people didn't understand because it's like, oh, is this one time thing? No. Farachi is a big personality at Fantastic Fest. Um, I'm not going to say anything negative about the guy because I'm not here to trash anybody. But um, it's just he's a a very – it's almost – there's a vile personality there. And I've always steered clear of it just because I've had one run-in with Farachi and it kind of – soiled all of that uh very very quickly and it was my fir- early years in fantastic fest there was no screencast there was no uh pop shifter i wasn't writing for anybody i bought my ticket outright i went there just for the movies um and only had like two friends at the time um and that was my first encounter is just a fan going there uh learning this so with me once my personality and my way is that once you do something to me where you agitate me or piss me off, I usually steer clear of you for the rest of my life. Um, that's just how I am. It's just if there's some bad juju around there that I can feel, I'm probably not going to associate with you um, just because I'm really good and keen at picking up those those shitty things. So that said, stayed away from him. All that unfolded. Um you know, uh, I, I believe the the correct thing to say is that he he stopped um, he stopped being um, uh, the editor in chief, I guess, at Birth Movies Death. He was taken off that thing, but they kept him in the background doing some um, you know uh, copyright or uh, copy copy editor for Draft House Films. I guess that is the story. Um, that was not told to the public it was hidden it uh, surfaced once on a byline for fantastic fest of the movie write-ups his name was at the end so that means that if people aren't familiar with that on the site when um, there's a description of the movie the person that was very gung-ho about um, programming it or wanted to speak on behalf of it or just write it up just because they had to and no one else did their name is in the corner well, Farachi's name showed up, I guess, on a couple films, um, and that's kind of how all that was brought to brought to light and said that he was still uh, hired at the draft house. So a lot of people felt betrayed. Um, Fantastic Fest was still going to continue, but it stuck, kept going downhill for the statements that Tim League said. Um, you could find those online. I'm not going to repeat repeat those. Um, they just weren't good. <laughs> There's a really um, great write up. I'll put it in the show notes. I think slash film did a really comprehensive uh, write-up yeah. about all this. And it's really good and really well done and uh, links to everything else. So I'll put that into the show notes, everybody. Yeah, and it, you, you can read it for yourself. And it, everybody can interpret it differently. And that's another thing is that, you know, uh, my, my my opinion, um, real quick, was just there was no real apology um, at first. Um, and then there was uh, – it felt like excuses rather than just fessing up. Um, you know, uh, it's not an accident, you know, for, 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 for people of that nature and that behavior. You know, if this is like a one-time thing, you know, from somebody that, you know, was a good, a good person at heart and, you know, that they fucked up one time, that, this might be a totally different case. But this is a person that 
has been known to be very vile in that community. Um, so that that's the reason why people reacted the way they did, and I, I don't I don't uh, you know frown upon anybody that acted the way they did that didn't want to go to Fantastic Fest. You know, I know Todd Brown stepped down from the programming team and and uh, Fantastic Fest, and then um, also with uh, you know a couple other people that just didn't want to go, uh, so they you know refunded their badge or they just didn't show up. So with that, there was kind of this cloud over uh, Fantastic Fest on the first on the first uh, couple days that we were there. Um, you know, uh, Kristen Bell, um, who is not the actress that a lot of people thought when I <laughs> said that. A lot of people were like, Kristen Bell's a Fantastic Fest? It's yeah. like, yeah, sure. And it's like, wait, no, not that Kristen Bell. So Kristen Bell is like one of the higher ups along with um, – it stands next to Tim League and does a lot of the business. Uh, and then Tim League wasn't there at the uh, at Fantastic Fest. He was going around to all of the um, uh, Draft House uh, or Draft House uh, cinemas across the the nation, um, speaking to them, asking questions. And I guess, uh, to, in my eyes, I felt that they were trying to come up with a plan. It's something that's not going to be overnight. You know, they needed an HR to come in. They needed they they need a plan for this to happen um, because it is happening everywhere, just not in the the cinema world. And that's one thing that I, I really was trying to, you know, tell people is like, this is just not here. This is everywhere. This has been happening since I was, can remember of, you know, uh, women feeling unsafe and, you know, men just being dicks. Um, You know, it's just, this is just a small fragment of the issue um it's in the cinema world it's just that this is just on the edge it's probably a little bit you know i I feel that we could focus on it because we are such a close community and maybe we can and we are i feel that we're putting a stop to it and um putting our foot down and saying this is not okay um giving um that security and that freedom for people to come forward um, and, and speak their minds and, and, and tell us and tell the world that, um, this is happening. Um, and this is not okay. Uh, making them feel comfortable, uh, coming to these festivals, going to the theater, working in the field, working in the industry, whatever it is. Um, because it is a male dominated industry. Um, and it doesn't need to be. Um, so, that that's all I can really say on behalf of that. Um, but Kristen Bell did make a speech at the beginning of the fest, you know, just saying a lot has happened. Um, they're working on it. Uh, there's more to come. And that's all she could say. Cause there wasn't really anything concrete that was happening at the moment. This is going to take a lot of work in order to speak to people, to rid the scum out of everywhere and kind of get their bearings straight and be able to formulate a plan and execute it and it be successful and not just be something that we're putting a masking up there and it falls through immediately or no one really follows it and it just continues to happen. So, um, you got something to say, Steph? I feel like you, you do. (laughs) I just had a quick question. Um, while it was going on, I saw a good number of tweets about, uh, people mentioning that, um, we weren't there to hear the conversations that were going on, um, that there was a lot of talk about it. And I was just curious if you knew of any 
maybe formal roundtables or like, you know, like scheduled talks, anything like that? Or if it was more like everyone was just talking about it and trying to figure it out? Absolutely. And, and that was a lot of questions I had. Um, and a lot of people, friends on Twitter were um, asking me along with just strangers just saying, hey, we don't we can't see this. We can't hear it. You know, you're saying it's going on, but what is really happening? And this is what happened. Um, Carrie League, who is Tim League's wife, was there. She was there in a, um, a li- liaison's capacity, uh, representing the draft house, not there to see movies, not there to introduce movies, not there to work. She stood there for seven to eight days um, uh, under the canopy where everybody's standing having conversations with everybody she could. Um, I spoke to her. She is listening. She is taking notes. She wants, she wanted to know your thoughts. Um, she wanted to know what makes you feel unsafe. She wanted to know what we could do to change. And that's what she did. And that wasn't really uh, published. I don't think uh, in too many articles that Carrie league stood there without a badge, just there in that capacity, listening to people. Right. And, I didn't and, hear that. I only heard Tim wasn't a presence there. Right. And that that's I didn't what I hear about Carrie. Yeah. There's a lot of things that weren't really, I don't know. I feel that s- certain things are, are tweaked um, in order for, um, so Carrie was there um, and yeah, she spoke to everybody, but I think a lot of people, um, and this isn't attacking anybody. I, I feel that a lot of these articles and things are written to get people's attention. And I don't know why that wasn't brought up is that she was there. She stood there for 10 hours, 12 hours a day. Every time I left a movie, I saw her standing there speaking to not her friends. It was just total random people. She would walk up to people and talk to them. A lot of people know her in general. So it wasn't like, you know, she was a complete stranger. She knows the community very well. She was very involved in the beginning of the draft house until she, you know, had the twins. Uh, That's when she kind of took a step back and, you know, be, be a mom. And that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to focus on her kids rather than the crazy antics of the fucking draft house, Um, which I I completely understood. But she is stepping out from that role as mom. And I think she is becoming uh, more involved than she should be, um, you know, because she's played a big part in the history of the draft house. But, yeah, she was there. She listened. Uh, I'm sure all that got back to Tim. Um, and I know that they weren't going to release a statement or something of what they're doing because it takes a while for this. You know, there's lawyers involved. There's, you know, you have to write, have somebody write up, you know, uh, like, the, the, you know, a brochure document, whatever it is, you know, um, you know, a policy. Um, and, and you want everybody to to look at that and view it and make sure that they have covered everything. So Kristen Bell spoke. Carrie League was there. Um I believe what I was told, and of course I was not, I don't know that this actually happened, um, but there was a uh, invitation for women only before the festival. Um, and they all got together. Uh, that location was not disclosed, um, but I did speak to a couple uh, women that were there. Um, they didn't shed any light of what they talked about. But I do know it did happen. 
but uh, the uh, time and where was uh, not said. But apparently that happened too. And I was I was wished that someone would come out and say what they talked about. But I think that's more or less maybe just a private thing of, you know, saying this is not OK. Um, speak up. And and that I, I have no idea what was said. But that did happen as well. Now, as long as, uh, as far as like the other conversations, everybody was talking about it that I knew that I was friends with. Um, we, we spoke about it. Um, you know, uh, we, we spoke to the programmers. We spoke to people that worked at the draft house, but we're in higher capacity of making changes. You know, uh, um, uh, you know, Michael Winchester, the, you know, manager, uh, there and, and every, everything else just speaking on behalf. Um, and, and, and no one really kept quiet about it. The only thing that was, uh, done and said, or not said, I guess I should say, and this is what a lot of people need to understand, especially people like Todd Brown, who I like. I like Todd. I don't have any beef with him, but he did throw one of my tweets out there and edited it down to what I was actually saying and made me look like I was a hypocrite and contradicting myself when I spoke, which I was not. So thanks, Todd, for that. Um, I said that people are talking about it everywhere, but programmers servers and people like that are not and they're not supposed to because they're not obligated and honestly they could lose their job if they spoke against something that is still kind of in limbo and process you can't ask a server hey what are you guys doing to make the draft house more you know safer for the women Uh, who's gonna like they have no right to ask that to somebody that's just a worker be there and we'll get into that during one of the screenings that um, somebody asked that question um, in a Q&A which was extremely inappropriate especially at that time I believe Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about the film but um, that was kind of the cloud that was there it was there for about a couple days Um, then it started lightening up a little bit (laughs) And that's when the Harry Newell, uh, Harry Knowles story broke, which was um, yes. for when I say this, and I think a lot of people said this, and they a lot of people took it the wrong way. And when they said it's no surprise, um, the people that said no surprise didn't know what was actually happening. Right, I just knew he's the but, fucking slime ball. Same thing with like. <laughs> Harry, Harry Knowles is a slime ball. I, I've avoided Harry Knowles my entire life yeah. just because of how he acts. And he acts that he is super superior to everybody. Um, I mean, this guy holds a yearly uh, marathon at the draft house. And you don't buy tickets. You have to be invited by him by filling out an application. <laughs> That's the type of person that Harry Knowles is. And then he sits there and opens presents on stage to show oh everybody God. what he got. So that is who <laughs> Harry Knowles is. He's uh, – I mean honestly I've never read uh, uh, Ain't It Cool News ever, uh, especially Harry Knowles reviews. But I mean I had no idea people were screen capping what he was saying. I mean this guy is vile and fucking disgusting and – I stopped reading them a long time ago just for that reason. I was just like, ugh. No, it's, it's very gross. Um, and I had no idea it was writing that just because I've always steered clear of them. So when we say that 
you know, it, it's, you know, it's not a surprise. I think that's what people are meaning. Um, people that were friends with Harry Knowles uh, are the ones that kept quiet. Um, so yeah, it was no surprise that he is a pig in, um, in a- any more than we already thought he was. Um, and that was brought to light about, about him and many people from ain't a cool news quit. Um, almost all of them, <laughs> which brought Except for the one bravo. troll that hit me up the other day. Yeah, I, I, I know, I think Alan Cerny dropped out. Uh, Eric Vespi did, which was mm-hmm. the major one because he's been with Ain't a Cool News forever that I can remember. The only people that stayed were the women, which I thought was a little odd. Hmm. Um, but that's just me. Um, but but there was two women there covering Fantastic Fest for him. Um, but anyways, uh, Harry Knowles is not there either because I think he knew that story was going to break. And many people came forward about him. Um, and that's an easy way to get rid of that is you just throw him out of the draft house and have him not part of anything. Uh, what happens to Ain't a Cool News is what's going to happen to Ain't a Cool News. He's saying his sister is running it, which I don't believe. I believe that's still Harry. Um, and I, I just don't understand the fascination with that um, site, with him, with anything. And honestly, that's all I have to say about that, personally. Um, but anyways, that was brought to light. And, of course, uh, everybody talked about that. Um and many women came forward telling their stories and um, things that happened to them um, and voicing their opinions on how uh, we can fix it as men and as a business for the draft house. Um, and I thought it was good. I Honestly, it was uh, one of the better Fantastic, fast, better fantastic Fest I've ever been to. Um, it felt clean um, because I will say that 2010 I went, I, you'd be lucky to see two ladies at the draft house during the Hustle Fest. Huh. Um, wow. Now, I would say it's a good... I Honestly, it felt like half and half to me, um, but I think m- probably more or less maybe 60-40. But still, um, a lot of women enjoying films, a lot of women writing about films. Um, you know... Uh, the boys club that Tom, uh, Todd Brown talked about, I think that more or less went to um, kind of the, the clicks that were there at Fantastic Fest with Faraci, with, with Harry. Um, with those two gone, it just felt cleaner, uh, f- more free. Um and honestly, after everything was said, it just felt good. Um, to me, it did. Uh, I can't speak for everybody, of course, but I've been going to Fantastic Fest for eight years. Um, and this is definitely uh, the less toxic of the fests, I believe. Because um, I believe those stones, rocks were turned over and we saw the maggots that were under them. Um, and we were able to um, help women come forward and talk about their experiences, um, give them, I wouldn't say a platform, but um, a space to speak freely and not be called, you know, a liar or, hey, you can't, you know, prove it. Well, you can't prove groping 
<laughs> you can't prove verbal harassment other than listening and understanding and believing. Um, and I think that was a good space for people to, to voice their opinions. So that's about all I have to say about it. I think it was very, uh, a very good fest as far as getting that out and out there in the air. So, but anyways, we watched a lot of kick-ass movies too. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well, lots of good movies. So any other questions or comments or concerns that you guys had or, you know, I, I think I addressed, uh, I had a lot of questions, um, uh, via DMs and, and Facebook. I also had a couple, a few hate mails saying, I can't believe you went to Fantastic Fest. Um, if I didn't go, I wouldn't be able to talk about it. If I didn't go, I wouldn't be able to give my two cents. If I didn't go, I wouldn't be able to do this show and talk about all the cool stuff that actually did happen um, and the more or less success of Fantastic Fest this year. So don't judge. You know, you can't just sit behind a keyboard and comment on everything if you're not there, uh, knowing exactly what went on and how great it was. A lot of bad things surfaced, but a lot of great things happened because of that. So, anyways. Right on. Um, I'm going to be – I reached out to uh, Anya Novak since this was her first Fantastic Fest as well. She's at Beyond Fest right now, so she couldn't join us. But uh, I reached out to her, and maybe I'll be able to talk to her. Um, yeah, it would be good to and put that uh, into the episode as well. You hear a first timer, um, especially yeah. a, a woman's opinion. Yeah, uh, about how how it felt. But I, I talked. I met Anya there. Uh, incredibly nice. Lucky. Um, yeah, and um, you know, I to me, I, I felt that most, and, and I have a lot of lady friends there, and most of them felt safe. Um, and everything like that. Um, I, I felt a good camaraderie with everybody and especially men who eventually knew that this isn't okay. And I, I talked to a lot of guys too about it. Um, you know, Eric D Snyder and I had a good, some good conversations. Um, Matt Wedge, and I had uh, from Daily Grindhouse had uh, a cool conversation is that, you know, uh, you know, we, we can sit back and retweet and like and and comment all we want. But it's actually on the on the ground um, that we need to speak up and put a stop to anything. Um, I think for, for me through life. Um, I've had, uh, not, this isn't at the draft house, of course. Um, I've never had actually happened at the draft house, uh, but just any experience because this is happens everywhere. And this is on a different level other than just fantastic fest in the draft house, um, Alamo draft house. But I think as a, as a man I've learned, um, I've always been uh, a supporter of listening and believing. Um, but I've also had those instances where it's like, and this was something that I saw a lot during that time there is that a woman will come forward and tell you what happened and then tell you not to say anything or make it a big deal, which I think I've learned something from that. Um, and not to disrespect their confidence in you. Um, but maybe that's not okay to sit back and just let it happen. Um, you don't have to go and shout it from the rooftops, but you need to, you know, tell them that this is not okay 
and you need to say something because I believe you. And I think maybe that's the direction that we need to go as men, um, listening, supporting, uh, not asking for evidence <laughs> because that's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, just listening up and understanding, uh, what it's like to be some, you know, anybody to, to come forward and have people automatically not believe you. It's tough. Um, and I think uh, what I've learned is that, you know, listen, uh, support and act. Um, but anyways, that's just me. I know everybody can handle it a little bit differently, but, um, that's something I think I learned during the festival is that, uh, you know, that, but anyways, yeah. uh, <clears throat> there, there's a lot of fear tied to it. And I think this has showed the danger of cult of personalities, you know, with like Devin and Harry, they were untouchable for so many years and they were given so many perks and, uh, for everything I hear, it sounds like most people didn't really like them, that they weren't particularly yeah. nice or very professional people, but because they got the clicks or the access, uh, you know, everyone put up with it. And, um, that makes people even more afraid to come forward. Even when this is all going down, I got messages saying, you know, like you said, please don't tell anyone I said this because I don't want to lose this job or I don't want to lose this opportunity. And that's another aspect we really need to get through our heads is that no one is untouchable. Yeah. And that that's a big fear is, you know, just like basic economics, uh, people are afraid. A lot of women are afraid because uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the the power that holds that causes a lot of fear. It's not always gender based. It's just building these people up to the point where we don't even know where to go mm-hmm. to talk about it. Or even yeah. how to react so, in that situation, you know, oh, just yeah. because of that person's, you know, uh, I guess history or, or their status. Yeah. And it, it might sound funny. Like you think of like a geeky movie reviewer being intimidating, but it really can be, especially when you're kind of ensconced in like this little niche thing. Um, so yeah, I think kind of dismantling this, uh, the cult of personality thing, that's, also really important that basically we should just all be there for the films for each other (laughs) i mean i i feel like this is supposed to be like fun and creatively passionate (laughs) and all this sick stuff just got weaved in throughout the years yeah yeah right on all right well um are we ready to move on into into films um yeah i think it's that time since we got (laughs) Um, spoke on behalf of that, and um, yeah, you know, I think that's a lot of what people needed to hear. Yeah. Um, eventually, it's going to go right back into that because of a film I'm going to talk about. But you know, okay. hey, we'll make that quick. No, it's all good. I mean, if yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it, if all if it's all relevant to the experience. Oh no, it is. Yeah, totally it's the other all thing right. that blew up Fantastic Fest. Dude, but anyway, Almighty. All, all right, right, here we go. Buckle up, everybody.
So Anya Novak joins us to uh, to talk about the fe- uh, her experience with the Fantastic Fest. Anya, what's up? <laughs> uh, nothing. I'm doing good. This was your first experience of Fantastic Fest. So I, I of course, wanted to have you on um, to talk about your experience, especially with all the, the drama and everything that has unfolded with Draft House, Fantastic Fest, uh, Harry Knowles, all the kind of stuff that we... Um, have discussed earlier on the podcast. So, um, when did you, what, I guess, first of all, like what's your history with Fantastic Fest? I mean, I'm sure like me, you've just seen a lot of people going every year and, uh, what made you finally take the plunge to make your way over to Austin? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd seen a lot of people, you know, enjoying it every year saying it was the highlight of their years, the best film festival to go to. Uh, it's a really welcoming atmosphere. And I figured it would be my best, my best bet for a first film festival. I had never been to one before, even, you know, just as a, as a lay person. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I thought I'd try. And it turned out that a, a few things happened for me where I was able to secure a press pass in time. And, uh, I was able to get a flight and someone to watch the kids and it, it all just worked out in my favor, uh, this year. So I was able to go. Nice. Nice. So coming into it, I mean, we were kind of all blindsided with this stuff, you know, like a week before everyone started, you know, heading, making their way over to Austin. What was your, I mean, I mean, all this is on everyone's, it's like my social media feed, the news and everything is full of everything from, you know, first it was with draft house and everything. And now Harvey Weinstein and all, all this stuff. It's an important conversation to have, um, and me knowing a lot of strong women like yourself and BJ and Stephanie and many more, I mean, my wife included, um, was this like a long overdue conversation? I mean, it is a long overdue conversation, but in this, were you kind of blindsided by this, the sudden, you know, kind of onslaught of all this? Uh, yeah, I was kind of blindsided by the, by the fact that it, it was a public thing and, yeah. and, uh, I mean, I wasn't exactly surprised that that what was going on was going on because that that kind of thing has been happening to a lot of women in, in the industry for a while. Um, but that it that it hit so soon to Fantastic Fest that that was yeah that that kind of came out of nowhere and uh, it was kind of weird because there were people that were calling for something of a boycott, mm-hmm. saying you know you shouldn't go, you shouldn't support this this company, you shouldn't support Draft House in any way, shape, or form, and. I was surprised to find that there were a lot of women who were saying, if you're going, you're a horrible person. <laughs> and it was, it kind of put me in a weird place because, yeah. you know, I had already, you know, plane tickets bought, you know, I've got the, the pass and I've, I've got someone to write for an outlet to put all my work to. And, um, it kind of made me feel crappy, especially coming from another, a, a series of other women in the industry that, that, you know, that they, they wouldn't understand how, you know, people who have been to festivals before and know exactly how much time and planning go into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of put me in a weird place, but I went anyway. And, um, once I was there, uh, I found that it, while draft house themselves weren't exactly, um, handling it, uh, uh, they, they weren't getting in front of it and, and handling it, you know, uh, from the, from the first day on, it, it was kind of something that, that hung in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, um, the majority of conversations that I had had about, about what was going on, uh, came about with other women, uh, and, and men, but mostly women, um, in places like, uh, the women's bathroom and, and in, in line when we're just waiting to, to get into our screening and outside after the screening and, and in the highball and in the lounge and everything. So, 
there were lots of conversations happening, just not in any official capacity that I participated in mm-hmm. or that I knew of uh, otherwise. Did it, did that seep in any of the screenings that you had at all? Uh, or? It, kind of in, in one, uh, when we went and saw Revenge mm-hmm. uh, that, that night, the director, uh, Coralie, I'm going to mess up her name, <laughs> Farja, F-A-R-G-E-A-T. Okay. Coralie. Farja. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. That'd be my best but, guess. Um, yeah, yeah. So she, uh, just before the uh, uh, the screening, she had introduced the film and she said, you know, there's kind of an elephant in the room and, and I want to address it. And this film is is representative of, of women not not sitting down and taking it anymore. Mm-hmm. Women, you know, standing up to, to that sort of oppression. And so that kind of shell shocked the audience a little bit. And, and there were people, there are a couple of people who, who left the screening who were a little, the word triggered is kind of overused today, but that, that was yeah. kind of what was going on, you know, that, that had brought up some, some feelings and, and some, some put people in a dark place, mm-hmm. sort of, um, kind of in a good way. So, uh, yeah, that was the only time that, that, that personally that I saw that a director or that, that someone had addressed it directly in a screening. Okay. From what I saw. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to kind of walk into, walk into this, like, um, into this sort of atmosphere when, when normally film fest for the most part, I mean, I, I've never been to one. So myself, Mm -hmm. um, when I started all this stuff, I've, you know, been married, uh, kids, full-time job. I've never been able to break away for that amount of time. And I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to go to anything next year. Like, the kids are getting mm-hmm. older, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine you want this to be kind of a vacation in a sense, working vacations, right. if, especially if you're writing for an outlet. I mean, this is, it's, it's work, but it's also, you're meeting a lot of people in the, in the industry, a lot of other film, uh, enthusiasts and especially the, the, the genres that Fantastic Fest, you know, prides itself in. Um, so yeah, I, I can totally see that and, and just kind of out, outside looking in, all of us online, everything kind of getting the feedback from people who are there, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been good to see this discussion out in the open. It seems to be, it's not plateauing. Like we're still going up the mountain of all this, or I don't even know, maybe right. we're, un, maybe we're digging deeper. I don't know <laughs> the right analogy to use for this, the way with the way things are going. But, um, I mean, I said this online, like 2017 has been such a dumpster fire that, you know, I mean, at least I feel like a lot of this is being dealt with in a healthy way, hopefully, and a lot of good conversations coming out of it. Hopefully, mm-hmm. the right change will come out of it. So that's a uh, that's a rare look at me being optimistic, but uh, I really, <laughs> you know, rare. I really yeah. hope that that's the case. And um, you know, as far as we're concerned, here we're always going to be championing uh, positive change and, and positive discussion, which is all this kind of stuff. So. All right. So moving on from there, um, what, I mean, we don't have time to go through all, but you were there for half the fest. How many movies yes. did you see during that? During oh, that half? I mean, gosh. there's a whole, there's Actually, a, there's a shit ton to get to. <laughs> Four, eight, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15. Wow. That's 15 films. Well, I mean, a few of them were collections of shorts, Okay, but, um, yeah, I, I sat through 15 screenings. <laughs> and, uh, and how many days is that? Is that, uh, it's almost um, like a week and a half festival, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was there for, I think four days. Four days. Okay. I mean, that to me, that seems like enough. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw just about everything I wanted to see. There were a couple of films I missed out on, but for the most part, I I got to see what I wanted to see. Okay, cool. So for the rest of the time um, that we have you, um, if you want to just kind of go through some of your, the highlights of the films, maybe, I don't know, uh, top five, then honorable mentions, or if there's more, that's fine. But um, I would love to hear kind of the, your favorite films of the fest and kind of you know, if you can do some mini reviews on those films, that'd be awesome. Oh, okay. All right. So <laughs> the first one I got would be uh, Super Dark Times. And that was directed by Kevin Phillips. And uh, that one, that one kind of blew me away. And I, I, I went into it just based on the trailer. Uh, it just seemed like something I wanted to see. These teenagers, uh, Zach and Josh, they're, they're best buddies. And they kind of, a horrible accident occurs. And after that accident, they're affected in different ways and they kind of descend down this dark spiral. And um, I would compare it to, I would compare it to the movie Juice. I don't know if you ever saw Juice. Oh, okay. Like a yeah. 90s movie. Yeah. Hell Tupac. yeah. I have that on Blu-ray. Yeah. So that, that I think plot wise, that's the, the closest okay. thing to super dark times. Okay. But as far as like atmosphere, I would compare it to something like Brick. Oh, wow. You know that movie Joseph Gordon Levin, yeah. whatnot? That's that's yeah. right on my alley for sure. Right, right. So it's, <laughs> it's it's got that kind of vibe to it. Um, it's a really dark kind of coming of age thriller, but it's 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 heavy. It's a heavy movie, and uh, I really liked it. The two leads were absolutely amazing. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to mispronounce this name. You're in good company. T a h a n t a h a n t a h a n t a h a n sounds dumb. It's got to be t a h a n Okay, whatever. The next one's Owen Campbell. That one's easy. Even with wine, I can pronounce that. Owen Campbell. And uh, they did a great job. Uh, you know, at that screening, they handed out these little temporary tattoos. It just says Super Dark Times on it. I don't know why, <laughs> but I have it. I'm going to wear it one of these days. That's very Instagram worthy. Nice. Is, um, this, is this the director's, uh, Kevin Phillips, is this his first feature film? I, I want to say it is. It looks like it. I want to say that it was written specifically for him as his first feature. Wow. Okay. I believe he knew the the writers, you know, well enough to where, I, like, I think they all like went to film school together or something along those lines. God, I'm I'm not an expert on this. I don't know. I <laughs> I I don't really remember the Q A afterwards. No, that's fine. I, mean, I think I was drinking wine during that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the what stuck out to me was the music. The the music was by um, Ben Frost. Very atmospheric, uh, very, very heavy, very dark, and uh, it just it just had so many elements that that were up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from the the plot to the pacing to the the tone, just the morbid tone of it all. Um, there were some surreal nightmare sequences throughout that really kind of got under my skin, and um, I, I feel like there wasn't a real a bad actor in the bunch. Like there there were stellar performances from everybody involved in the movie, even peripheral characters like like the the boys' mothers, their sisters, uh, even you know just schoolmates, just people who who didn't even matter in the in the, the context of the story. They did an amazing job as well. Very nice. I can't say enough good things about Super how, Dark how old how old are the kids in this? Are they they're teens. They're okay. they're like young teens. Uh, okay. I, I want to say like. Early, they might have been in middle school. No, no, they got to be like freshmen in high school. They got bikes. Anything with like kids in dark places with flashlights and bicycles, (laughs) like (laughs) totally there. And it was, it was like, it was the 90s. It was supposed to take place like kind of pre Columbine. Okay. And, and, um, 
Yeah, so I don't know if that makes a difference, but, you know, bikes and whatnot. Uh, the next film that I kind of want to hype up is Brawl in Cell Block 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was directed by S. Craig Zoller, and this is a guy who gave us Bone Tomahawk. I don't know if you saw that movie. Oh, yeah. I think it's on Amazon right now, actually. It's, it's on Amazon Prime, and it's streaming. It's fantastic. you have a chance to watch it. It's yep. fantastic. It and, is. It's amazing. And give it a chance. And, give it a chance. Yes. Get, get through. Get through the end. It's Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some people, especially Netflix streaming things, like if it doesn't catch them right away, I mean, I'm a little more patient when I'm in a theater, but I notice if I'm watching something streaming, I'm a little less patient. I always have to force myself to, right. you know, get to keep the phone down and just focus on this film until it's done. Yeah. And with Bone Tomahawk, you're going to get the payoff. You'll, oh, yeah. you'll get what you need. You get what you want. It's uh, It delivers. Um, but Brawl and Cell Block 99 is kind of the same. Well, it, it starts out, you know, pretty pretty riveting i mean mm-hmm. they, they really pull you in there now this is starring vince vaughn uh jennifer carpenter who you probably saw in uh, dexter the exorcism of emily rose uh she, had, she she's been in some stuff you'd recognize your, her face if you saw her uh udo kier is in it and fucking don johnson yes. don johnson shows up <laughs> uh in a great role as well uh this movie is is very brutal it's very bloody uh, I should probably say what it's about. Uh, Vince Vaughn is this cat who uh, has some anger issues. He's got a couple of anger issues. And he um, he is a drug runner for this, this kingpin. Bad things happen. A couple of things go wrong. He gets caught. He goes to jail. And when he's there, he is uh, – his sort of betrayal of his of his boss is not taken lightly. And so his wife is kidnapped. Um, his pregnant wife is kidnapped and threatened in so many words. Um, and they they tell him that if he wants her to live and their unborn baby to live, he has to dispatch certain characters um, in cell block 99. Cell block 99 is in a maximum security prison. He is in a minimum security prison. So he has to work his way over to that prison. And the way he does that is very brutal and very harsh. And, um, by the time he gets there, it's just this, this descent into depravity and, and violence. It's, it's ultra violence. And what was amazing was the practical effects that were used. Uh, I don't remember seeing anything that I would call CGI. There was a lot of these fight sequences that themselves were amazing, but they get very bloody and skin is torn off, bones are broken, and um, well, obviously, you know, bones being broken, that's probably CGI, but uh, some of the the more visceral effects are, are obviously done practically, especially in the last few minutes of the movie. Um, they, they keep the violence going up until the very end, until the end credits roll. And uh, man, I love that movie. I could watch that a million times. It's kind of like a it's a good treat for exploitation fans. If nice. you like prison movies, if you like brawl movies, if you liked even something as recent as Blood and Bone, you're probably going to be down for Brawl at Cell Block 99. Awesome. Man, Drop, you're dropping some, <laughs> some deep cuts with Blood and Bone. <laughs> blood and Bone, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in the Army uh, a while back, that was like – that was the DVD that was passed around <laughs> from, from, from room to room in the barracks. Everybody would watch it. Everybody could quote it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a crowd pleaser. Uh, Michael, so, Michael yeah. Jai White. Yeah, exactly. Right? Can't go wrong with that, dude. Black Dynamite. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Brawl and Cell Block 99, Super Dark Times. Uh, let's see. The next film I would talk about would be Revenge. Now, that was the one where the director, Coralie, 
Farja. Farja, that sounds French. I'm going to go with that. Farja. Yeah, sounds good. She uh, she was the one who addressed the the so-called drama that, that had been happening and kind of hovering around the atmosphere of the festival. Uh, but after she introduced the film, the, the credits rolled and, and we got started and it was it was amazing. This this young woman, a uh, beautiful young woman, uh, Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz is her name. She uh, that's the actress's name, not the character's name. She is dating some fancy smith bit. I've had wine. I'm sorry. Fancy <laughs> schmancy fat cat. This this guy who's obviously very rich. Um, got his own helicopter pad and whatnot, and he lives, you know, way, way out in the desert. Got his nice little pad with a pool and everything. Um, and she is hanging out with him and two of his his drug running buddies. And uh, one thing leads to another. She dances a little provocatively. One of them takes a shiny to her, and he rapes her when when the the boyfriend is out. Uh, also, I should say she's the mistress of this guy, this okay. this boyfriend. She is not his wife. He is married and unfaithful. And so after she is raped, uh, she doesn't take kindly to it. She's a little upset, as as you mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. And she brings this up to the boyfriend, and he kind of tries to brush it off and cover cover it up and offers offers her money, mm-hmm. offers to send her right back home. And she basically says, no, that's, that's not enough. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell people, you know, this guy needs to go to jail and whatnot. And he shoves her off of a cliff and uh, she gets impaled on a tree and he leaves her for dead for a little bit. And then later on decides to come down and try to fetch the body and finish whatever he started uh, if she wasn't dead already. But it turns out she was not dead. She lived. And then she takes revenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it's one of those French movies, so you know you know that that French extremity thing that they got going on. <laughs> this seems to have gets, a, a pretty small cast. Is that uh, is that correct? It is. It was uh, it was like maybe four people total. Wow. So it was the boyfriend, his his two homies, and then her. Basically, wow. yeah, that was for 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 the the entirety of the movie. Yeah. Um, and and she first she she has to heal and she has to fix whatever is going on her injuries and she has to hide from them and then you know as she exacts her revenge it's in a very bloody gory way and um they do not skimp on the the corn syrup blood in this movie especially in the last say half hour of the movie it gets really nasty and uh it, it gets so bloody in fact that there's there's moments where several characters slip on the blood that's that's on the floor I don't even know if that was intentional or not, nice. but I thought that was kind of cool. It's always a nice touch. So, <laughs> right. That they slip on the yep. Um I, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, that one I, I would I would try to, if I could snag it on Blu-ray, I definitely would. Uh, that's, that, that's got replay value to it, at least for me. I'm, I'm one of those people that likes the weird, the, the French extremity films. I like, I like the really gory stuff, especially when it's uh, rape revenge. Some people are kind of touchy with it. I don't know how you feel about rape revenge movies in general. Uh, they're, they're not, I'll, I'll watch them. I'm a little lenient. I'm not, not lenient. I'm leery of approaching them. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of hear a lot about it as far as like, is it worth, you know, um, it is, is it worth it? Um, and then of course I'm always, am trying to, I wouldn't want to, if it's like too exploitative of like the rape scene or whatever, like I definitely, yeah. a bit skittish with that. Um, but I mean, 
but if 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 it pays off and the uh, the assholes pay in brutal <laughs> and bloody ways, that always yeah. uh, is a plus. So yeah. it's not it's not a so genre I seek out, but um, uh, it is it, it is something that I will um. I have to do a little research on it before I sit down and watch it. So this sounds like this one sounds right up my alley for sure. The director is a woman, and uh, you can you can kind of see that in in her treatment of the rape versus the revenge. Mm-hmm. The rape sequence is not um, she doesn't shy away from it. Uh, the brutality of it, the the horror of it is is fully there on screen, but it is not. Um, exploited in the way where there would be close-ups of nipples and there'd be, you know, you know, you know how they exploit rape scenes. Yeah. Um, that is not done here, but okay. the revenge is, I, I would say it's satisfying for, yeah, for each of them, for every single one. Um, it's not quick. People suffer, uh, people's, people's punishment, people's, the rapists and the enablers punishments fit the crime. I'll say that. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay. And the last film I want to talk about here is Let the Corpses Tan. And this is by Helena, Helena Catet and Bruno Forzani. And these are the guys who, if you're, if you're familiar with, with Neo Giallo is what I've, 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 that's the term I've heard. I just call it Giallo. Um, Neo Giallo. Just call it. Yeah. I, I think you should just call it yellow. Yeah. Um, they did uh, a mare and they had recently done uh, the strange color of your body's tears, mm-hmm. which I really like. Now these are two really, really stylistic Jello uh, uh, films. The closest American counterpart I can, I can think of off the top of my head would be Quentin Tarantino with exploitation films. Um, they have a, they take a different approach in this film. This film has more of a plot. Previously, they had kind of been style over substance. And this time, there's a lot of style, but there is definitely uh, more of a, a, a narrative written in. Um, and some people don't like that, but I really did. Um, and then the story goes, in the Mediterranean, uh, this gang steals about 250 kilos of gold, these big gold bars. And they take shelter at a hideout, this, this little hut in the middle of nowhere out in the, the Mediterranean um, at this hideout where a woman artist is kind of channeling her muse and then cops show up and it, uh, just a couple of them, a couple of cops show up and then things go sour from there. And it's something of a last stand uh, a movie at this, at this house. Okay. Um, and then there are, there's bad blood. There's, there's betrayed alliances. Uh, people switch sides and of course, there's a cop there the whole time that's that's trying to shoot people. A couple of cops, by the way. Um, and it's it's not exactly it's not particularly violent or gory, but there's there's a lot of heavy. It's hard to describe if you if you haven't seen a mare or or a strange color, but there are um, liberties taken with with things like shootings and and there's dream sequences and lots of close-ups of of really abstract things um so i enjoyed it uh, as a fan of giallo movies in general and i would recommend it to anybody who who likes those sort of movies uh most mainstream people might it, it might be a bit much mm-hmm. uh, but I would encourage people to check that one out. I think it's I think it's Katet and Forzani's best. That, Very nice. I think it's the best one that they've had so far. Awesome. And that's it. That's all four movies. Yes. Very that's cool. It. 
Very cool. Super Dark Times, Brawl and Cell Block 99, Revenge, and Let the Corpses Tan. Awesome. I think Brad echoes uh, a few of those, which is fantastic. Um, so, so if you're pulling for those films and Brad is, I think these are like musts. Just, just everyone Absolutely. put these down on your list right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, very cool. And then you were just at Beyond Fest. So you've, so now you have two film festivals under your belt. Or did you, you know, or did you I didn't do get the, to go. Uh, I didn't get to go to oh, Beyond you, Fest. Oh, you didn't. I think no, at the last second, I couldn't go. Oh, no. I really wanted to, but, but I, to, uh, I, I couldn't sorry. line up the childcare and, it, <sighs> you know, kids. Sorry to, to rip open that scab. <laughs> I apologize. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, I'm sure that, uh, if things work out, this isn't your first film fest. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can, I can go next year. I'm, I'm trying to go to a couple next year, maybe uh South by Southwest. And, uh, there's a new one called North Bend film festival that I'd like to go to as well. Okay. It's got some weird stuff. I like weird stuff. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Are well, you going to try to go to fantastic fest next I'm, year? I'm going to try. It's on the, it's on the agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. I need to start planning now if I'm going to make it work. So, right. It's kind of a, you know, especially if you've got kids, it's kind of a, it's an endeavor. Well, I mean, yeah, kids and the wife and set vacation time. And then there's vacations right. that family vacations we need to plan, you know, so it's like, you know, it's all, there's a lot of, uh, you know, discussions and compromise and mm-hmm. bribing, uh, things like that. So <laughs> I I'm, would recommend getting the, the first half or second half badge. I think that's, right. that's enough. That's it, probably what I'm going to do. It'll get you what you need. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Anya, thank you so much for, uh, for your report. <laughs> Thank Fantastic you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm I'm glad you're well. I was glad we were able to make this work so I can actually hear your perspective because I think it's important. So, thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to go through some of these fairly quickly because of my, if I don't spend too much time on it, that just means that I did not care for it. Um, I'm not here to shit on films that don't have distro or uh, people will actually like them. Watch everything that I mention. Uh, make up your own minds. Um, so the first film at Fantastic <laughs> since the first film was uh, the opening night film was pulled from Fox Searchlight because of um, the allegations that arose. Um, we were left with just whatever. And that was fine. I didn't really care. So my first film I saw was The Line. Um, it was a uh, crime drama um, mixed with some dark comedy. It was okay. Um, the next film I saw Gives was, <laughs> was um, oh Rift. Um, it was oh, a, I saw uh, that. the, the, the gay, uh, thriller. Yeah. The Icelandic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, that was kind of neat to see, you know, there's not too many films with, uh, gay couples or gay relationships in the thriller or horror genre. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, to, to, to use that, um, it wasn't a, like a catalyst to tell a story. It was just, no, two they dudes, just, the two you know? protagonists happen to be gay men. Yeah. And it, they didn't really focus on that, which, you know, I'm not used to seeing that. And I thought that was, uh, you know, that was pretty neat to kind of do a thriller 
um, in that aspect. So it's about um, uh, a, a man who uh, meets his uh, – he, he realizes his um, ex-boyfriend is um, kind of distraught, receives a phone call from him, goes out to this like secluded area where he is staying, and they encounter a force – it is thriller. It is supernatural, kind of. Um, Contemplative. It, yeah, it takes some twists and turns. Um, the sound design is absolutely incredible. Um, it is legitimately frightening at times, um, which I did not expect uh, the film to be so tense. Um but it's a it's a it's a weird little thriller psychological tale. Um, but I, I suggest it. I, I thought it was I thought it was a decent movie. Um, what do you think, Steph? Since you saw it, yeah, I loved it too. It was and it's stunning. It's absolutely it's stunning. Yeah, and seeing a thriller uh, set in that kind of um, setting. Um, I've seen landscapes I've never really seen in a film before, let alone a thriller, and it really added a whole new dimension to it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it really gave you that sense of isolation, which is scary. In yeah, absolutely, no. especially since a huge chunk of the film is just these two men. Um, they really carry the picture. So, like, this is one where you really need to pay attention, just let yourself sink into it, um, yeah. but really pays off. Yeah, did someone we know. Uh, did someone we know design the poster, Brad? Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, our friend Omar Osuarez on um, on Twitter, um, who is known to create some really big posters for uh, Hollywood productions and, and independent films. But yeah, he did the poster uh, for that. So he also designed our pins, if that tells you anything. So, um, so next up was one of my top ten. Um, called Cold Hell. Um, it is a German neo giallo. Feels like it's set in the scummy nineties. About a female taxi cab driver who witnesses a murder from next door. Um, a brutal murder, I may add. Um, and she is on the run and trying to protect herself from this uh, no-face killer that she knows that is hunting her. Um, it's hard-hitting. Um, it takes some turns that you would not expect in a film. It looks great because it's wet and nasty, and it's always, like, raining. It makes you feel like you're w really watching a 90s film, um, but also has kind of this yellow twist that just kills mm -hmm in it um and it's uh i may add that she's also a kickboxer so if that <laughs> is any inclination of how hard this film can hit you it gets pretty rough um but yeah it's a it's basically a kind of a neo giallo slasher with um you know the the female heroine aspect that is um you know trying to run for her life but also puts up her dukes and and battles as well which is a lot of fun I'm shocked um, uh, Neo Giallo made your top 10. I know, right? <laughs> Whoa. Also, 
it's weird because both Neo Jello films actually made up there. So I love, um, I love the up, German titles for these though. Like it sounds so much more badass than Cold Hell. It's Die Hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, next up was I can't remember what country this is from. Um, it's called Bad Genius. I want to say it was from Taiwan, but anyways, um, Bad Genius. It it's this really it's such a weird genre mashup because it's about this um, girl who is incredibly intelligent um, and like I'm talking about like four point five GPA bullshit like that. Thailand, um, by the way. Who's, Thailand is oh, it's from Thailand. Okay, uh, thank you. Um, so she. Um, basically works out a deal in school um, for people to cheat off of her and they pay her money. Um, and what starts off as basically a friend in need of help turns out to be five people that need help turns out to be the entire class. And then they go to like nationals and she is uh, basically turns into this heist movie where they're paying her, um, you know, fucking, thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars to cheat on these tests and give the answers um it's got a killer soundtrack um it's got some really great moments as far as um you know watching these people act off one another um it gets really tense at times uh, it's really funny um all around just a really great movie but the soundtrack alone is just something to hopefully that makes it out there in the world because it's got such a good score um but i highly suggest it it's 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 something you wouldn't expect but i don't know it just it just hit a, a note for me that was just i i loved i loved every moment of it um next up was another um i think Maybe Bad Genius didn't hit my top ten. This is another top ten. Uh, so I will start off by saying this is my favorite film of the festival. Um, what is really cool about going to a festival and you have your most anticipated list? Um, so I had that one most anticipated movie. Um, and it turned out to be my favorite, which is such a cool thing to happen. Because sometimes you build it up in your head too much and it's not as good as you hoped. Um, or it's just not good at all. Or it's just okay. Uh, this film like went above my expectations. Uh, so the directors of Amir and uh, The Strange Color of Your Bodies and Tears um, has has have their new film out called Let the Corpses Tan, um, which actually has more of a uh, what you say, Sean? I said I love the titles for their films. Like every like, <laughs> it's always intriguing. Yeah, yeah, this one this one actually matches with what what they're, you know, kind of what's what's happening. Um but it is um a film with more of a, a narrative which uh their two previous films didn't have kind of a a narrative that you could follow. Um it's very uh, visual imagery wise and all of that. Um this film actually has a storyline. Uh that is also quotation marks in the air storyline, but something you can follow at least. Um, this is kind of a Euro crime uh, Neo Giallo mixed with a Western. So all those three things immediately got me rock hard inside and out. Um, and it is so fucking good. It is so beautiful. Every one of their films, every single frame 
of their films is like a painting to me. Um, everything that they do, everything that they show, the sound design, the, 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 the soundtrack, what they did is they pulled from old Giallo films um, and used the scores to them. And I was just sitting there thinking – like no one's reacting. I'm like cheering in like my hands are in the air because I'm like, yes, it's this weird yellow that no one has seen from like 1972. They made um, this for me. Yeah, that's what it felt like because at, at the end, like towards the end of the film, I was about like I was composing the tweet in my head. I was like, you know, these directors love who saw her die. There's no doubt about it. Because there's certain things in the film where I was like, oh, my God, I think that's an homage to, you know, who saw her die. And then the last like the huge climactic uh, um, scene, the soundtrack to who saw her dies kicks in and it's so fucking loud. And it's and it's by um, uh, Marcone. So, like, it's just so it's just so bombastic. Uh, if anybody knows the track, it's like the girl. The it's like a bunch of children like doing this like la 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 la, but it's like it it it, it like hurts your brain because it's just so fucking loud and it's very nerve wracking too. Like it's just when the soundtrack kicks in in the movie, in the actual movie, it's like you know shit's going down. Um, but uh, yeah, this film has everything for a film lover that loves stuff like visually. Um, it's got some great characters. It, it's actually a movie about a shootout. Um, you know, a good hour of the film is just nothing but, um, a shootout kind of in this, uh, rinky dink falling apart, um, you know, like, uh, Pueblo homes, I guess you could say, um, of this, um, these people that did this heist are hiding out and cops come cause they know where they are and they have this battle, uh, it's, it's not like really intense as far as that, but it, it gets, there's some blowing some heads up too. Um, it's very gory, which a lot of the, the, their previous films are more or less just about color and beauty. This actually has some kick-ass gore in it. Um, so yeah, it's a hundred percent. Kino Lover picked it up, expect it, buy it. Um, it is, it, it's perfect. I saw that um, one on a ton of top 10 lists. For yeah. And I was glad to see that it was because I think people are finally getting around. Because I remember when Amir came out in like 2009, I was going ape shit and everybody was like, oh, that movie's boring. And I was like, that's the most like intense movie I've seen all year. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, you know, and it, I'm also a bias when it comes to Giallo. You just throw Giallo like, uh, you know, aspects in the film. I'll probably love it. Um, so next up was a, I mean, this documentary is perfect. Uh, and also Larry Cohen was in attendance. Um, King Cohen, um, two hour docu, two hour, two hours of a documentary, but it's, it, it seems like it's five minutes, Uh beautiful doc about, um, everything about Larry Cohen from the beginning of when he was just a young kid, how he got his start, uh, till the very end. I had no idea that Larry Cohen did the things he's done. Uh, that he is such a sought after screen. I knew he's he did a lot of screenwriting, but he is sought after. Like people want Larry Cohen to write movies. Uh, Larry Cohen has a ton of writing credits. If you don't know, I mean, he has like 20 films under his belt, but he's written uh, pilots to TV shows, wrote TV shows before he actually made his first film. Um, and it's just such an intimate portrait of his life. And just, it's so funny too, because Larry Cohen and was something I didn't know as well. Larry Cohen started as a comedian before he started writing t TV. 
Um, and the dude is fucking funny as hell. Oh my God. He had me rolling just in doing his Q and a, um, dur- during, during, uh, you know, before and after, um, King Cohen, such a funny guy, such a, you know, uh, such a, I don't know. He's just a beautiful person in, inside and out. Um, and also isn't afraid to speak his mind. Uh, one of my favorite quotes he said, he's like, uh, I had to direct, start directing my pictures that I started writing because people would just fuck them up. Um, so he felt the only way to actually get a Larry Cohen film out there was for him to actually direct it. Um, but such a, such an awesome person. Um, hilarious. Uh, see Keith Cohen. It will not disappoint. Um, he, he is, he's just so, so fucking good. Um, so next up, uh, real quick, everybody's seen this movie pretty much, but we saw it on 35 right after King Cohen. We walked to the theater next door and when we watched Maniac Cop 2 on nice. 35, which, uh, you know, uh, written by Larry Cohen, who produced it, his he- hands were heavy in it. So uh, Bill Lustig, he, he approves of Bill Lustig's work in the first and second movie. He says Bill's full of shit for the third one. Um <laughs> Because even though Larry Cohen wrote the third film, he said they completely changed everything. And he told the plot of the third movie. And I'm like, God damn it, that sounds so fucking good. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, apparently um, – oh, shit. What's her name? Uh, Suzanne. Uh, here, let me look it up real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll give the plot of uh, – so the character – not uh, oh, Lori Landon, Teresa Mallory, who uh, ends up – at the end of the first one, into the second one with Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell meets his de- de- demise in the beginning of the uh, second film. Uh, Lori Landon just ends up dying in the middle of the film. Well, apparently she didn't. She was injured. And so in the third film, the maniac uh, Cordell wants her and he goes after her. And I was like, and it turns out to be like this weird like love story. Um, that sounds a lot better than the piece of shit that we saw in 1993 called Bad to Silence. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember. But yeah. I own it, but I don't even remember the plot of that one. <laughs> so um, Maniac Cop 2 is great on the big screen. It's such a fun movie. Um, it had one of the best Q&As ever because they gave some dirt on fucking Robert, Robert Davi. Um, <laughs> I feel like we could have used that against him and, you know, probably extorted him for some money. <laughs> um, apparently he's a really skeezy dude, um, and makes a lot of women come in his trailers and show him their feet. Um, <laughs> but Lori Landon didn't fall for it. She said, Oh my God, I'm out of here. She, so, wait, um, show, but show yeah. him. So he just had a foot fetish. Yeah. Yeah. But like, he liked weird shit too. That's they weird. like, they kind of cut her off a little bit because, I mean, they were telling stories like all it was is they were supposed to intro the movie and they, they just ended up talking about life and um, everything that happened. Zach Carlson was running the Q&A and he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys are saying what you're saying. You're not even talking about Maniac Cop 2. You're not introducing it. You're just talking about dirt in like Hollywood on people. But it was such a great Q&A. It was so fun because those two obviously worked together quite a few times. And you could tell, you know, just the just the chemistry between them was still was still there, um, you know, and, and they love what they did. Um and then, you know, the Q&A after talking about how dangerous some of the stunts they did. Um, apparently, the lead stunt guy uh, for for Maniac Cop 2 is actually one of the car drivers and stunt coordinators for Fast and the Furious movies. 
that's what he went on to do. Um, he's like one of the highest paid like uh, stunt coordinators in Hollywood. Um, and he's the one that did all the crazy stuff. If you watch Maniac Cop 2 and you watch the stunts in Maniac Cop 2, you know that somebody really fucked up was doing that shit. Um, but such a great little 35 millimeter print, Bill Lustig lent uh, Fantastic Fest to watch, his own personal print. Nice. So that was a lot of fun. Oh. Um, good old, good old next Bill Lustig. Up was, yeah. He's a, he's a great dude. We've had him on the show. Yeah. Listen to that episode. He's he's really really funny. Got a lot ton of stories. Um. So next up was Apple Cart. Stars Barbara Crampton, Bria Grant, and AJ Bowen. Oh boy. Uh, Dynamite cast. Um. It's a movie. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> so shut up. Uh, it's a cast. It's a movie. It's like one of the <laughs> best casts. You know, I, I I'm friends with Bria, Bria Grant. You know, we we. We talk about books on, online uh, periodically, and uh, she's just a fun person. And you know, she's been on the show, and you know, we we, we chat back and forth. She's just, she's just a great person. So it was, and a friend. So it was really tough. You know, um, we saw. I sat next to her in Thelma, and we were just talking. You know, I was talking about you know my daughter and stuff like that, and you we were just talking about life and. Um, and she said, what have you seen? And I was going down the list and she goes, have you seen Apple Cart? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, I watched it. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, and I also saw this. And I was like, I just oh, knew. Man. She knew. I was like, I'm not going to focus on it. I, uh, I, I really don't want to talk about Apple Cart. Uh, um, so anyways, it's a movie. <laughs> uh, next up was uh, Top Knot Detective, uh, a mockumentary about uh, you know this fictitious TV show that existed in the 90s in Japan. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, people might like it. Um, next up was Gemini. This played at South by apparently. I didn't see it. Um, this is uh, picked up by uh, Neon, which is uh, James Shapiro's and Tim League's uh, new label because Draft House Films is basically no more. It's now Neon, which they've had Colossal come out and then Ingrid Goes West. And uh, they got a few others uh, coming. I think Beach Rats is another one. And then they have uh, Gemini coming out. Um, Gemini is such a good and beautiful film. Um, but Every once in a while you watch a movie where the movie can be destroyed by the third act. I was so on board with this film. I was – the characters are – tracks great. It looks beautiful. Um, it gets really suspenseful because an event happens. Um, I'm not going to say because if I say the plot, if you read the plot and then you know what I'm going to say at the end, then you're going to figure it out. So I'm not going to – give any spoiler this is all spoiler free okay tread lightly. Uh, aside for aside from maniac cop too um but you should, should have seen that by now it's, it's past um, the point of uh i can't think yeah of the yeah word. Yeah, yeah it's it's point of no return i guess i don't know i don't know uh, I, you know i was gonna like try to say like some smart word and then i couldn't think of it and then i was like <laughs> fuck it <laughs> uh, so um yeah gemini i really loved um but the film felt like it turned into this kind of like young adult television show. You know, when the film could have got dark, it didn't. And then you just realized once the plot unfolds and you know what's actually happening, you're like, wait, that's actually not possible. Like that wouldn't be po that. I can't buy into that because that wouldn't happen. Um, you know, you can give your suspension of disbelief in films, 
but you need to start that shit in the beginning. And that's my argument with people during the fest. They're like, oh, it's a, yeah, you could do that. And I was like, no. I was like, what's your – like, if you're watching Citizen Kane or, you know, Psycho, let's pick some of the greats. And then all of a sudden, rabbit, dead rabbits rose from the grave with laser beams, killed everybody. All suspend. No, you can't just watch a movie and something like that happen, and then just no. I'm not saying dead rabbits rise from the grave and fucking Gemini. But that was no spoilers, bro. It did happen in uh, in <laughs> in, in the movie Magnolia, where it's, you know all of a sudden, spoiler alert for Magnolia, it rains frogs. But they hint at that, and that's biblical, and that makes sense. <laughs> okay. But you just can't have right. something totally out of the blue okay. happen right. that goes against, like, you know, uh, what you know and what you believe. And, okay. like, you just can't – you can't do that. We I'm don't just live in a make you, belief, Just trying to make uh, you know, sure we're qualifying your statement. That's all. Yeah, it's just I, – I hate when movies do that. They, like, drag you in, and then, you know, like, people – I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything else. But anyways, <laughs> uh, watch Gemini. It's fine. Um, so this movie apparently is on VOD. Highly suggest you check it out. Uh, for, for for films like Stand By Me, um, you know, The Goonies, this has a very a few, much, much of a feel like that. It's called Super Dark Times. Um, it's about uh, four friends um, that are, you know, somewhat buddy-buddy. Um, an event happens between them, um, a very, very bad event, um, and it kind of all goes downhill from there. Um, but it's like set in the 90s. It has you know a really good score. It's really intense. It reminds you being a kid at times and also makes you think, oh, my God, kids are actually probably like this. <laughs> what so, was the name um, of the film? It's called Super Dark Times. But I think it's on VOD as of now, uh, select theaters. But it, it's such it looks great. Um, it's really intense. Um, definitely in my top ten. Um, if you like movies about kids and drama, like hard drama, even to the point where it's horror, like this is this is for you. Um, it's it's a really great film. Uh, so next up, and this almost took my number one, but it didn't. So it's my number two. So everybody knows I've talked on this podcast a billion times about Asylum Blackout, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Craig Zellier wrote it. I forget who directed it, but Craig Zellier is such a fascinating writer. So I was really excited last year or the year before when um, Bone Tomahawk was coming out because that's something else he wrote. And uh, he actually got to be in the director's seat of on that. Bone Tomahawk was in my top 10. I loved it. Such a great script, really brutal, really intense. So um, I was really excited that he has a new film out called Brawl and Cell Block 99, um, which then they hinted at the casting um, when they were behind this, you know, about to start. And they said, Vince Vaughn's the lead. And I was like, what? Excuse me, Vince Vaughn, like swingers, made like I, I don't, I don't like Vince Vaughn. He's grows up, he's grows up, and he's grows up. You know, like, I, like I, you know, I, I like swingers and made, but anything else that he's done, I just don't like. He just is this awful comedic actor. I liked him in old school as the, uh, the, the dad trying to run the, uh, you know, yeah, electronic store. Is Speaker City, Speaker, Speaker City. <laughs> It, like old school's fine. Whatever. Yeah. So, um, sorry. Continue. Vince, 
Vince Vaughn plays the lead in Cell Block, Brawl in Cell Block 99. I tell you, man, he is fucking great. He is one big motherfucker. He towers over people. This dude was there. He's tall in real life, like towers over people. Got broad shoulders, and he is a mean motherfucker. So Brawl in Cell Block 99 is awesome. It has a great script uh, as well. Um, it has great characters. It has plenty of exposition in order to get to what – you know. because I feel like people are like, oh, we just want a movie about fighting. It's a Brawl in Cell Block 99. Well, in order to care about any of these characters, you got to feed me something because I'm not going to watch a fucking action movie um, and not care about anybody. You know, I, I don't I don't like that. I like to at least feel what they're fighting for. So Brawl and Cell Block 99, spoiler free, little spoilery, but spoiler free for the most part. So he is down on his luck. Um He's got some heavy shit in the background happening with him. Vince Vaughn's character, he gets laid off. Um, He needs to fix his life and fast. So he mentions to his wife he wants to get back in the business of kind of running stuff, whether it's drugs, guns, whatever. But he's very responsible about it in a way. Um, You know what? Obviously, if you're doing that, you're not too responsible, but he needs the money. He wants to raise a family, so he goes out and does this for a couple years, makes a good living. Um, And then his boss pairs him up with these kind of no-namers. Deal kind of goes sour. Um, He is put in jail. Um and then he is visited by Yudo Kier, which is a great role for, for him. Yudo Kier comes to him and says, we know what you did. Um, we have your wife. We need you to kill somebody in this other prison that's like, you know, miles and miles, miles down the road. And Vince Vaughn's like, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? And they said, you know, be creative. <laughs> So in order to get to this maximum, like he's in a minimum, like uh, not minimum, yeah, minimum security prison, he needs to get to the fucking hole, like complete darkness where you sleep in your own shit. So in order to do that, it becomes a video game of him battling his way, trying to get in enough trouble and kick enough ass that he's put in cell block 99. Um, and holy shit, man, fucking Vince Vaughn wrecks some motherfuckers. There's some (laughs) fucking fantastic fucking battle scenes in this, but it's real. It's real. Like if you're expecting like fucking the raid, you're not going to get it. This is like legit hand to hand combat. If you watch some motherfuckers duke it out before, like in real life or, you know, boxing, that's what this is like. We're not doing kung fu and flipping through the air and, you know, fighting 30 people. No, we're doing one-on-one, put your hands up, and I'm going to pound your face in. Um, It's fucking good. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, I'm sold, but I just want to know, is he better in this or is Norman Bates? (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) He's he's born to be in this brawl in Subwalk 99. Uh, Vince Vaughn is a good action star, I can say. He's uh, very charismatic. He's believable. Um, He also is just good at what he does, which I was very, very surprised that I liked Vince Vaughn as much as I did. Um, Not that I'm on a hate Vince Vaughn train. It's just he's a 
Yeah, awful. I'm with you. It's just he's like... an awful comedic actor, I think. Uh, he had a couple hits with John Favreau with Made and Swingers. But other than that, he hasn't really done anything that has stood out that's good. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was that. RLJ nice. picked it up. You should be able to see it hopefully uh, next year. It'll be on DVD um, so this... in your local Walmart. So now we're going to get Blu-ray. a little bit of drama again. So one, they had a secret screening. Uh, uh, Agfa had a secret screening at Fantastic Fest. Um, in the description for the film, um, it is written that this film is for gut-dwelling perverts. What? So it gave you a little inclination that we're not going to be watching any fucking My Little Pony movie. We're going to be watching something that is probably has nudity and sex. All right. So Joe, uh, you know, Zimbia came out um, with um, uh, something weird. Man, I forgot her name. It's the wife of the guy that passed away from something weird. Um, Lorraine. I can't remember her name. Shit. So anyways, she was there. Um, the secret screening was this Ed Wood movie. I'll repeat, Ed Wood. The guy that made Plan from Plan 9 from Outer Space, Ed Wood. It is a film that he made, that he made on his own, um, without any studio or anybody, any producers speaking to him. He made this film called uh, Take It Out to Trade. Um, and it was never see- screened ever aside from this bar basically this titty bar um, after they filmed it, he screened it once like on the wall of, um, of this bar. And that's the only time it was ever seen. Well, they rescued, uh, they got the print, they got it. Boom. Here it is. So Ed Wood made this sexploitation film, not a hardcore porno, which was later. This movie was said that fantastic fest screamed screen of violent, the words that were said were violent porno. Got to the get them clicks. Unaware of. Got to get I'll, them clicks. Son. I'll tell you right now, there's no violence in this movie because it is a fucking Ed Wood movie. Number one. Um, and number two, uh, when we're talking about cinema, this is known as a station film. If you know anything about cinema, certain people that posted online were, repeatedly that this is a porno it is not a porno when we're talking about cinema there's no penetration there's no erect penises there's no really sex in the film other than people bumping with each other but there's no insertion we watch this fun sexploitation film that is actually gender positive because ed wood wanted to be a woman um and he plays a woman in this, an old woman. Um, there is uh, gay and lesbian couples in this film. Um, there's nothing violent about it. The only violence that you're talking about for people that posted that is that the detective actually goes to a house at one point, And there's these two drug addicts. And he's trying to get some information out of this lady. So he like picks her up and shakes her a tiny bit and then puts her on the bed and she cries and he slaps her for stop crying. So if that's the violent porno to you, you have some growing up to do. Um, so anyways, they showed this quirky sexploitation film from Ed Wood that most people would love to see just because it is a lost time capsule. Yeah, hands up. Wood. So... The film is not violent in any nature. Uh, there is no pornography in the film other than some boobies 
and some, you know, you see some vaginas, but there's no penetration. There's nothing like that. It's not dirty in the slightest. It's just weird. Um, and it's honestly quite boring, but it's fun to watch this Ed Wood movie that no one else has really seen. So that's the film that we watched. Uh, during the Q&A, someone asked, Joe, what are you doing in order to make Fantastic Fest a safer place for females? Um, which I thought, man, this is not the right person to ask because Joe Zimbia really doesn't have any ties to the draft house. He programs tear Tuesday helps out with weird Wednesday. He works for Agfa. Like he's not the person to ask. So Joe politely said, uh, do you mean fantastic fest? And the guy said, you know, yes, in general, what are you doing to make it safer for women? Um, and Joe said, I am not uh, at Liberty to discuss that up here. Cause this is the Q and a for the film. Um, we should be talking about the movie, but I would be more than happy to speak with you after the film um, or after uh, after this Q&A is over. I'll speak with you in the hallway. So the guy said again, why can't you talk about it now? Um, and Joe said again, he said, well, this isn't really the right place. And he said, when is the right place? This is the right place. And so um, the wife of uh, – man, I feel bad for forgetting her name. So she spoke up. She said, listen, she's like, I've been around these movies all my life. She's like, I'm a feminist. Um, I believe in art. This is uh, an art, uh, basically uh, art from Ed Wood. Um, I, I don't feel that this is inappropriate You know, with the recent allegations that are brought up. You know, I don't feel that this is an inappropriate film to play, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, just spoke on behalf of the film and something weird and how Agfa rescued this film. And, you know, she feels that this is an important time capsule. This isn't, you know, a statement or anything that's uh, wrong to be shown in, in at the Alamo Draft House, given the recent uh, light of certain things that have happened. Well, of course, the guy did not. I don't know who it was. We all try to figure it out. I had no idea who this dude was. I asked plenty of people. He bolted. He didn't stay for Joe. Joe actually stood there, waited for him. Um, and then immediately uh, I tweeted uh, exactly what happened because I knew I knew that this was going to blow up. And it did because uh, Tim Doyle, who was fired, basically, oops, shouldn't be saying that, uh, fired, who used to do Mondo Prince, was fired from Draft House. So he's got some beef going. Um, also, this is where Todd Brown took my um, you know, uh, tweet out of context, in, context, and they both repeatedly said, violent porno, this is a trigger warning that oh, this God. is what Fantastic Fest did. Neither of those two guys were there. The people that they were getting the information from weren't in the theater because the people that were in the other – like this screen on four theaters, I was actually in the theater with – this I they simulcast in other theaters during Q and A's. I was actually in the theater, so the people that were in the other theaters didn't hear the question because Joe didn't repeat it because he simply answered back to the guy. Um, and nothing that this guy said or Joe said was out of or um, anything that Joe said was out of line. Joe just can't speak on behalf of it. He's not the person to ask. If you want to talk to somebody, Carrie League is out there. Uh, and also Kristen Bell is out there waiting for people to talk to. So it was very inappropriate for him to ask the question. And what I said was, is that, you know, they're, they're not avoiding these conversations. They're just not talking to people out loud as far as a voice for the draft house is what I was saying, which was blown out of context, of course. Um, 
and made me sound like I was contradicting myself. They want to talk about it, but they don't. Well, that's not the case. Everybody's talking about it. It's just that they don't represent the draft house, so they don't have a right to say what is changing. Joe doesn't fucking know either. So it was just really stupid that it was blown up to something like that. And then all these articles came out about how people were scared to get up out of the theater, that men were trying to conceal their boners um, in the theater. (laughs) Like this woman was – scared because um the two guys were so fidgety trying to hide their boners no one got a boner in this movie (laughs) there's there's nothing to get erect over um you can leave the theater at any time people walk out constantly at fantastic fest during movies um you're not trapped there people said they're trapped because once you order food you can't leave no that's not true that's not how the draft house works you put up an order card ask for your bill early or you get up and you go say and all your num you're in a numbered section you say hey i'm in ten twenty six, I need my bill. I'm leaving. It's very easy to get up from a theater. I've uh, never walked out of a movie before. Well, I've walked out of one movie at Fantastic Fest, but um, you're not trapped there. So don't, so don't, don't make it. And this is this goes in behalf of what I was going to say. Um, and this, I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not making judgment. But this is how I feel. Um, if you didn't go to Fantastic Fest, that's fine. I'm not attacking you in the slightest. But when they got done for the night or for the Fantastic Fest, there was only four badges that weren't picked up. Four. Um, I've heard numerous people say that they weren't going. Um, and other people that just say they weren't going who actually never intended on going. Don't make it about you. Stop making it about you. Stop making it your problem because the problem is what we talked about in the beginning of the show. Stop trying to put things on you like these these dudes that said, well, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm not going to Fantastic Fest. But you weren't going to begin with. So don't make it – try to make this about you. Don't try to show that you're puffing up your chest making a statement when you weren't going to begin with. Like I hate that. I hate when people try to turn these things into likes and you know retweets and clicks on articles because this is how they feel. Because like I don't buy that. Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to make a statement, uh, try to be positive in trying in in the sense of standing behind um, women or something that you're doing uh, positively in that sense. Don't try to make these little things about you. I, I don't believe in that. You know, if you weren't going like Scott Weinberg didn't go to Fantastic Fest for obvious reasons. I give Scott all the props. I missed him a bunch. The feud wasn't the same without him. Like I respect his stance. But Scott also didn't make it about him. He just said, This sucks. I'm not going. I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah. And that's I, the it. only the only the other same person thing- I saw saying that, um, I mean, she just didn't go and it wasn't a big to do it was just i can't bring myself to go that's it you know yeah you know i've had a couple people and you know i imagine their badges were still there that's fine but you know there is a lot more people that just jumped on this bag bandwagon of hating people that went yeah and you know uh talking down to people that were going that's Um, destructive that's not helping anything yeah and it's like you're not helping anything you're 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 almost like you're trying to focus this towards you and we need to focus on the real issue um 
and I, I, I just, I feel, I just feel it's a shitty way to do it. I, I don't know if they're doing it on. I don't think they're doing it on purpose. But you need to be aware of what you say and what you're doing. Because honestly, I don't give a fuck if you didn't come to the Fantastic Fest. Fine, whatever. You know, if you have your reasons, like Weinberg and you know a couple other uh, women that I spoke to that didn't go because they didn't feel comfortable, I respect that. But if you make it a you know, a fucking thread or, you know, the big fucking exit that Todd Brown did numerous times on Facebook, just attacking everything. No, like when Todd Brown stepped down, I was like, okay, I respect that. But then he just kept on and then saying things that weren't true, like violent porno. They just want to watch, sit at home and watch things burn, which is not constructive at all. So anyways, yeah, next up, was oh go ahead Steph. No, um, I was just gonna say I can't speak to Todd Brown, and I don't know the guy who spoke up at that screening. But it, there are some people who it doesn't seem like they're trying to help; they just want to score points. Whenever something big like this happens, they just yeah, try exactly. to sloppily score points, and that hurts. Yeah, <laughs> it's like look at me. I made I, I I asked this question at a screening. Okay, well. If Tim League would have been introducing the movie, maybe that would have been a good time to approach him. Uh, maybe outside you would have talked to Carrie or Kristen. That probably would have been a good question. Say, hey, you know, you're screening this movie like this. You know, what's up? That's fine. Whatever. But to publicly do that like that to try to start a fire, you're not you're not helping yeah. anything. You're actually kind of trolling, which is what you're not supposed to right. do. There are enough real terrible issues that we actually need to address that people just kind of doing a shotgun approach like that yeah. adds no value. Yeah, I agree. So back to the films. Here we go. Sorry for that tangent again, but it, it needed to be said. Um, next up was Tiger Girl. Um, I believe this was another, was this a German film? Man, I forgot all these countries for some reason. Um, but anyways, Tiger Girl, let's see. Germany. Okay. I was going to say Germany. All right. So, uh, Tiger Girl is, um, has, uh, the sister, the older sister in raw. Um, she plays the lead in this. She plays Tiger Girl, um, about, uh, a girl named Vanilla. Her, you never found out her real name. They just call her Vanilla. She's uh, like this training security guard comes across this girl named Tiger who just likes to cause trouble and mischief and just, you know, bother people and it kind of be a little destructive, but not really hurt anybody. Um, so it's kind of like getting her to, you know, Vanilla to act out and do these crazy things. They get, a, you know, a fairly decent relationship but it's one of those films, again, where it's just that third act just kind of, I don't know, knocks it down a little bit. Um, it's an okay movie. It's got some good characters and some good chemistry between Vanilla and Tiger Girl. But um, make up your own mind. Um, next up was Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson's uh, The Endless, which is their follow-up from Spring, who also did uh, – uh, Bone Storm before that with, on the VHS segment, which is the only v- good VHS 3 segment there is. Uh, and then before that, they had Resolution. Um, so 
we've had uh, we had Benson and Moorhead on the show. Talked about Spring. Uh, really enjoyed that film quite a bit. Uh, a beautiful, horrific love story. Um, I was always a huge fan of Resolution. Uh, so next up is their uh, film called The Endless, about uh, two brothers who ran away from a cult um, in their teens, and like ten years later, they get a mysterious videotape and they want to go back to see what's going on. Um, and they do. And there you have the plot of the film. I'm not speaking on behalf of the film anymore because I don't want to give any spoilers. Um, except that if you do watch the endless, which I think this needs to be said, if you do watch the endless, make sure, make sure you watch resolution first. If that's any hints. Hmm. Um, so big awesomeness surrounds the endless. Um, so anyways, uh, next up was one of my, this movie was a fucking blessed. The most fun I've ever had a fantastic fest Ow. During, during a screening. They played a movie called mom and dad that stars Selma Blair and Nicholas cage <laughs> in this film. Um, there is something with the parents. So anytime during a crisis or any, anything you, you feel like you need to protect your children and be there. So you'll do anything to be with them, to protect them. Well, in this sense, they just want to kill their kids. Uh, so all the parents around the world, uh, just want to kill their children. Um, and it's about these two, <laughs> two kids that are trying to survive mom and dad who are Nicholas Cage and Selma Blair trying to murder them. Oh my god, this movie is so much fucking fun. It's absurd. Nicolas Cage's best performance to date. He's insane. He's firing on fucking 18 fucking cylinders in this film. Well, Crazy Cage is and, always the best Cage. But Crazy Cage, like, Crazy Cage in a movie that doesn't want Crazy Cage doesn't work for me. Brad, but, write a movie called Crazy Cage, by the way, please. But Crazy Cage in a movie where they need Crazy Cage works. Yeah. So uh, Nicolas Cage is playing Nicolas Cage and Mom and Dad, and it's fucking beautiful. And they actually play a song by The Prodigy, which you don't really hear them too often. It's one of my favorite bands growing up as a kid. Um, they play a song by the project. I thought that was pretty cool. This is actually directed by Brian Taylor, who is part of the team of Neville Dean and Taylor, who directed uh, Frank, Crank 2, um, oh. uh, that awful gamer movie. Um, and I think they worked on the Ghost awesome. Rider films together. Um, so if that is any inclination of how uh, crazy mom and dad can get, there's your answer. Yes, um, but apparently it's just uh, Brian Taylor now. Apparently they split up as uh, partners. But um, – Looks like Taylor might be the good one here. Um, <laughs> and next up was people are going to go ape shit over this movie. I kid you not. Watch how this movie fucking dominates the indie film community. It's called Anna and the Apocalypse. It is a Christmas horror comedy zombie musical. That um, That's it. And it's cute. Um, I have my little issues with it, but I'm not going to nitpick at anything, but it's very cute. It's funny. It's cool to see a Christmas horror film, zombie comedy, uh, musical. 
with uh, a bunch of teens trying to survive the night in their local town while the world is being overrun by zombies. Um, so it's it's going to be a big hit. Just just wait. Um, next up, this it's a shame that um, you know I've seen a lot of these uh, Netflix produced films at South by and at Fantastic Fest, um, and you know usually they're really small little films. Well, this was uh, Frank Grillo and Wheelman. Uh, this movie deserves to be on the big screen. It sucks that you're not going to be able to see it in theaters. It comes, I think, on Netflix October 20th. Um, uh, you guys see Locke by chance with Tom Hardy? I haven't. Not yet. Sean? Not yet. All right, so Locke is a really great movie. I highly suggest you watch this. Tom Hardy, but the whole film's in a fucking car. It never leaves the car. Um, it's just him having these conversations in his car and it's really intense, but it's just a guy living his day out, um, you know, just dealing with a bunch of shit. Well, Wheelman is an action lock where he plays a wheelman for these, uh, bad people and he's caught up in some shit and he drives a car really fast and is in some deep motherfucking shit. And Frank Grillo's awesome. It's produced by Joe Carnigan, uh, written uh, – I believe it's written – oh, no, no, it's not written by Joe Carnigan. But anyways, he, he produced it because Frank Grillo and Carnigan are making a lot of films together. They're remaking The Raid together apparently. Um, so um, yeah, Wheelman, a great action flick um, with uh, being set entirely in and around a car and never leaves the car. It's pretty great. Um, next up was The Secret Screening. For Fantastic Fest, everybody had their uh, – everybody thought it was going to be Shape of Water. Everybody thought it was going to be – most people thought it was going to be Death Wish, uh, you know, Eli Ross Death Wish. So I was like really nervous because honestly, um, you know, I kind of wanted to see Shape of Water. I didn't want to see Death Wish um, unless I was sitting with a bunch of friends and we were just fucking hammered. Um, But (laughs) it came out. And it was the death of Stalin, which I had no idea what this movie was when the title came up. I said, are we going to watch a fucking period piece drama? Because I'm getting the fuck up right now. (laughs) So I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a second. I have no idea what this was. Um, And like no one really clapped because I think it caught everybody surprised because I don't think they knew what it was. So this guy who directed it did a movie called uh, In the Loop, which a lot of people love, and then the TV show with Anna Chumsley called Veep. Um, So a lot of people like those two things. Um, This movie is a comedy about the rise – the quick rise of Stalin and the fall of Stalin after he died um, about his administration, what they did and how, how they did it. But in the most comical way possible in this dark tale of what really happened, like terrifying and awful things happening during this time. But somehow they manage it to be really fucking funny. My dad uh, is already sold on this movie. <laughs> yeah, Steve Buscemi is the lead in it and he is fucking oh. hysterical. Everything about the movie is very comical, but it's also really scary. Like what was actually happening? Like it's a truth of a, a part of history, but told in a very comical way. Um, but yeah, definitely um, a nice little surprise during Fantastic Best. Uh, I don't know when that's being released, but IFC picked it up, so expect it on a DVD only in probably about three years. Um, <laughs> how how oh. big of a role does Jason Isaacs have? Huh? How, how big of a role does Jason Isaacs have? 
he has a smaller role, but he like everybody was saying, we want our own spinoff. A fucking Jason Isaacs character. He's so fucking good when he's on screen. Nice. He's he's a great actor in general. Yeah. Uh, so next up was Thelma. Um, it's a very uh, supernatural coming of age tale about a woman that discovers or that she knows that she has certain capabilities in is dealing with life and um, uh, a friendship that turns to love with another female um it's okay um i it didn't grab me but a lot of people loved it um i'm gonna have to watch it again because maybe i missed something um next up was uh one of my top 10 uh Takeshi mike has made 100 films to date uh this is his 100th film called blade of the immortal um, it's a two-hour and 15-minute samurai film um, where Mike uses the seriousness, seriousness like he did in 13 Assassins and Harakiri remake. He blends that with kind of his Mike flair of really wacky shit, at times very subtle, um, about a um, – uh, not a ronin, but a, a, a samurai who loses his sister by – these like ruthless, like Shogun. Um, and it's the opening scene of the film. He takes on like 5,000 people, uh, and just slaughters everybody in order to avenge his sister, uh, dies in the process. This is in the first 10 minutes of the film. So it's nothing. This is the plot of the film. Oh. So, um, he is given immortality by this witch. Um, so he lives his life out as uh, blade of the immortal, um, walking through Japan, feudal Japan. Uh, now our story centers around this uh, little girl who her uh, father, who is the leader of this um, samurai, uh, is murdered by these other ruthless shoguns that are trying to take over uh, Japan. Um, so her father is lost in the process, so she wants to avenge her father. Um, so she finds this known assassin uh, that walks, that is uh, a hired mercenary um, who is our character in the very beginning. And she offers to pay him if he teaches her how to fight and kill these people that killed her father. And this is a big gang of fucking motherfuckers. Big gang. Um, and so the film is this little girl and our lead character, Blade of the Immortal, who finds and kills uh, everything in his path. It is fucking bloody as hell. Um, it's a great fucking samurai film. So, and a great soundtrack, too. So go see that. Uh, next up was Pincushion. It's a movie that exists. You can see it eventually. Um, next up was Revenge. I, it felt that Revenge from... I didn't see it the opening or the first night, but I had a bunch of people come up to me and say, Brad, this movie is made for you. And usually when my friends say that, I trust them. And you're usually right. So Revenge is a rape revenge movie uh, that is told in this Western kind of style. Um, 
where this uh, basically it's a rape revenge tale, um, but it's not it's not rapey like that in, in the slightest. There's just a quick quick scene that's there, and you know it's it, it's done. So it's not really graphic or anything like that. Which you know people were like a little leery about playing, I guess, at Fantastic Fest. But um, it's not it's it, it's tries to be as tasteful as possible, I guess you could say, which is weird yeah. to say. But anyways. Um, rape revenge movie about a girl that just uh you know is left for dead who comes back and tries to kill uh the people at ronger it's a movie that exists it's will be on shutter you can watch it let me know what you think i however was uh not a fan of this movie has a great soundtrack but i thought everything that was happening and unfolding in the film was just a little over the top and silly. Um, next up, we watched The Gate on 35, which was great. Go see the, you know, watch The Gate on Blu ray from Lionsgate. Uh, great film, but it was fun to see. They actually pulled 100 uh, best kills for this screening because I maybe they thought 100 best kills for kids. They were going to kill kids in this one. So I think maybe <laughs> they thought that was pushing the envelope too far after watching The Gate. It was fun. Uh, next up, I watched a movie called Mouse. Um, it's a movie that exists. Um, next up, I watch uh, uh, Les Femmes, which means The Hungry. It's a French-Canadian film. Um, one of my favorites. Um, it is a simple movie, which I, I think that people didn't like it because it was so simple. It was um, about uh, – it's a tale of survival during the zombie apocalypse, um, they're not trying to find a cure. They're not trying to get point A to point B. It's just a bunch of strangers banding together in order to survive. And they don't know what they're going to do, which I thought was unique because I don't, you don't never see that. It's like finding a cure, trying to get to the safe place, you know, running into a bunch of ruthless people that want to, you know, fucking rape and murder everybody. Um, but it didn't go any route like that. It was uh, basically banding together and trying to survive. And what was surprising that a lot of people weren't talking about is there's a lot of women in the film that are just killing fucking zombies, um, which was a little weird to see that we have like one male and then all the rest are female. So it's mainly female dominant in this tale of survival and it's all ages. Like they have like a 12 year old little girl. They have like, uh, you know, kind of a stay at home mom character. They have like this big business woman character. Then they have these two elderly women who are, uh, you can kind of tell that they're lovers, but they never really, uh, go on that fact, but they're like, you know, 60 and surviving. Um, you know, and they're kind of like well off and have their shit together with their guns and food. um, yeah, it's just this really beautiful uh, kind of zombie apocalypse, terrifying, bloody movie um, about a tale of survival. And man, there's a line in the film that I just fucking burst into tears with. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. So I think I think Shutter picked this up. So hopefully we'll be able to see it soon. Um, but um, yeah, it's really great. Um, next up was uh, Five Fingers of Marseille which is about these five uh, children who live in South Africa, who kind of live in, um, well, they live in South Africa, so it's not like this greatest landscape and greatest living uh, quarters. 
Um, but it's just them being friends um, and causing a little bit of mischief. Uh, something, the military is involved, they, something goes wrong, and they all kind of split. Um, and then years and years later, they come back to the town and realize what's happening, so they try to overthrow it. Um, and it's this Western uh, tale, but it's like – it's weird because it's got this weird like John Carpenter vibe, which uh, people weren't talking about. Maybe it's just me. This weird John Carpenter vibe with like this Mad Maxian like characters, like it's in you know the fucking ruins of fucking South Africa. So the like some of these cars and these people are like decked out like Mad Max type shit. And it's about these five brothers, uh, or they're not brothers, brothers. They're brothers by you know brotherhood who um, eventually you know are tired and want to kind of overthrow. And everybody has kind of went their own way, doing their own thing. Some are. You know, still really good at heart. Others not so much, but they put up a fight, and it's it's a pretty good film. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, next up was Darkland, a tale of revenge. Um, it's okay. It's uh, a, a wealthy businessman who finds out his little brother's killed by these drug dealers, so he gets a bunch of like you know ballistic gear and goes after these guys. Um, it's okay. It's not as eventful as you may think it would be. Um, next up was a Korean film called VIP. Um, it was, uh, it's written by the screenwriter of I saw the devil, um, which I had big high hopes for. Um, it's okay. It's basically a serial killer that's being hunted by this cop who doesn't really care about his badge. And he just wants to hunt him down and stop him. Um, and it's really brutal at times. Um, you know, this guy kills like entire families and tortures people and stuff like that. But it's it's okay. It has some really good moments. Um, next up was uh, Mon, Mon, Mon Monsters. Um, I think it was Chinese, maybe? That's the I title. Can't think. Huh? That's the title? Yeah, it's called Mon 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 Monsters. Like if you're stuttering. Okay, got it, got it. Um, so I'm trying to keep track of all these. It's a Taiwan film. Oh, it's from Taiwan. Okay, that's why I get these mixed up. All these different countries. I feel bad. I'm not racist. I promise. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> well, I kept doing that. Like at Fantastic Fest, I was like, I think it's the Chinese movie, and they're like, there's no movie like that's not from China. That's from Taiwan, and I was like, I, I oh. did that with, uh, I, I did that with, well, when, we, when I was talking about like the whole that lame Great yeah. Wall movie, I kept thinking it was a Japanese film, but it was uh, in fact a Chinese film. Yeah, I get like, you. You know, I, I'm not. We're only not human, folks. It. Yeah, it's so many. I can't if it does you any like. I can't remember where the other where these other movies are from either. So that just tells you. Um, I got your so, back. IMDb's got your back. Thanks. So uh, yeah, Mon 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 Monsters is it was it was an odd movie because uh, I thought it was like kind of a a comedy, but it's not at all. It's um, about these this mother and daughter of these they're monsters, uh, these creatures um, that are very you know they look human but they've got like really sharp teeth and fingernails and they eat everybody. Um, and it's these punk ass kids who capture um, the little one and they torture her. Um, and this monster has killed many people, but 
we get this sense of, you know, empathy and we feel bad for this monster who has obviously murdered a lot of people, but is being tortured by these punk ass kids um, who just want to cause trouble. Um, and then they find out the mother is looking for uh, her, her kin. So the other monster goes on a murderous rampage trying to find out where this, uh, where this girl is. I was almost going to think it was French because Mon is my in French. Mm. Like my, 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 my monster. <laughs> so this monster is on a murderous rampage trying to find her kin. Um, and the other kids know that this is actually happening. Um, so they try to lure her in um, into this trap. Uh, so the film is very, very, very mean. Um, it's mean spirited all around. Um, it's decent, but I tell you, it's one of those movies where the third act just kills. Like it's so, so good. Um, it's just, it's so powerful and just so mean and so fucked up that it works. Like this movie's not fun in the slightest. It's just very dark and, um, dreadful and just uh, dreadful in the sense of the sense of dread. Um, it's just like mean, like it makes you really question humanity, um, which is kind of cool, you know, um, and not too many movies make you uh, like, obviously we're, we're really connected to these monsters, uh, over the sense of, um, um, just family and you know, they're monsters and they're killing people, but it's still a mother and daughter. It's just, it's just really fascinating how Hmm. we can love and feel for something so terrifying and terrible um, that there's something worse than monsters that we are the real monsters rather than these things. So I thought that was pretty clever in order to do that in a film. So I, I suggest you watch it. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so next up was, uh, it's kind of a downer. I know. Um, so other films that I saw, there was uh, Dan dream, which, um, is from the filmmakers of clown, uh, about a true story about an electric car. Um, the movie is absolutely hilarious. One of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, if you've seen clown, um, it's not as crude and vulgar as that, but it's just, it's just really funny. These guys know what they're doing as far as just like such great situational comedy, um, and lots of great callbacks. Um, just, just a really great comedy, which I don't really uh, see that we got a lot of those. Clown with huh? a K, right? Not the John Watts, Eli Roth. No, not the, not wow. the John Watts movie. <laughs> Clown with a K. Director Jesper yeah. Ruffelt. Yeah, it's uh, it's spelled like Cloven. K-L-O-V-E-N. It's actually based like, on a television show from Denmark. It's spelled like Cloven? Um, yeah, and they spawned two sequels, um, or two, two films, and then... Um, now they have Dan Dream. Nice. Um, next up was uh, this movie blew me away. This was a student film, which I I sat in the theater and then they said this is a student film, and I was like, oh boy. 
I I don't know if I can I can do this. It was like seven o'clock at night, and I was like, uh, student film at fucking seven o'clock at night. I was like, I didn't know much about the film. I heard there was hardly any dialogue. It was like mostly silent. Um, and I was like, man, this just does not feel like it's my bag. Like it's going to be like way too pretentious and just like, um, you know, just, uh, just not good. But man, this movie was incredible. Um, it's going to be, um, kind of how the witch really hit people. It's equivalent to that. Um, it's called Hagazusa. Um, it's the most black. Huh? It means like like mountain hag or something like that. Um, but it's H A G A Z U S S A. Okay, found it. I just want to make sure I'm capturing all these for the show notes. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, um, nice. The poster is badass. Yeah, it's very black metal. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, the whole film is very black metal. It was really funny because I, I tweeted about, um, Hagazusa because I, I was blown away by it. It's incredible to believe that it's a student film because it's so accomplished. Like it's way better than most of the stuff that's out there. Um, so, uh, it's, um, it has, has a great score and it has great, wonderful imagery. Um, and I was going to say is that the, I tweeted about, you know, being so black metal. And then the director's brother said, this is what happens when your little brother, um, steals your black metal tapes at age four. (laughs) Um, and it's, and it's quite apparent, like, um, you know, you can, you can, uh, see that these films are just, or this film is just so dark and, um, and, you know, if you listen to black metal or know anything about, about black metal, the imagery that goes in uh, and the sound and the lyrics, they're just really dark and, and hateful. And that's kind of where this um, it's about a witch who uh, is pregnant. Uh, and it's just it's just it's really horrifying and it's really great. It's it's such a beautiful film, too. It's honestly stunning. And it, I still have a hard time. And they filmed it over a four-year period, too, which is a four-year period student film. You would just, hey, I have the student film. It took me four years to film, and I filmed it right after college. I would say I have no interest in your movie whatsoever <laughs> without actually seeing it. I'm sorry. I'm a dick. But that's just how I would – I would be like, no, 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 no. That does not sound – that does not sound like something that's going to be good. Yeah, but I have the same thing. Blows. When I used to work for bands, we would always – and we would tour around. We would always get like these guys' demos. You know, We made this over the – throughout high school. I like, could listen to our demo and we would just uh, – we called it Roadside Records and as we left – uh, we were dicks. <laughs> we would, as we got the highway, we would chuck wow. him out the bus window. <laughs> nice to know you guys support yeah. new artists. That's just, I'm glad this is on record. Well, hey, hey, <laughs> I'm always going to support new artists. But when when it sound it sounds like your movie went through hell trying to make four years to make it, and a student film, honestly, that just does not appeal to me. Like I'll I'll eventually watch it, but I'm not going to be super gung ho about it. But um, it's it's tough to believe that that all those cases were true true for this film because out of all the films at Fantastic Fest, this was like the most accomplished, well made film, yeah. other than probably let the corpses tan. Wow. Um, so um, 
Other films that I saw was a uh, film called uh, Love and Saucers, a very short uh, film documentary about a guy who believes that he's had sex with aliens numerous times <laughs> and is a known artist of drawing these things. And he believes that there's like a praying mantis king or something like that. It's wacky and it's not very fun. Um, next up was Jailbreak. Um, I can't remember. I'm not even going to say the country from this. It, but it Jailbreak is like I'm going to talk about this film and beef it up so bad, and then I'm going to hit you with something. So Jailbreak is like Smoking Aces meets The Raid. So uh, a basically a VIP is in prison. They have to escort out. Prisoners are set free because. These different gangs want his head, so they release all the prisoners, and these cops have to fight their way out of this prison while protecting this guy. Um, the film is super tame, though, I feel. Like, it's just a bunch of hand slapping. It's not hard-hitting. Um, very tame. Uh, honestly, it's quite boring for an action movie of with a plot like that. So, whatever. Um, next up was um, Juvenile, which apparently is written from one of the guys from Glee, I guess. I don't know. Um, it just didn't expect something that, that, you know, I'd never watched Glee, but it's apparently this, like, drug drama. Um, it's okay. It has its moments. Um, it was just one of those films where I was really digging it, but it was kind of like that they didn't know where to go with it, so they just kind of end it, and um, that can ruin them heard a movie pretty bad so i was not uh too too happy uh, with that um and then let's see my last film i think the last thing that i saw was one percent yeah i think that's it so um I saw a movie called 1%. It's an Australian film about bikers. Um, it's okay. I dug it for what it was, but apparently a lot of people hated it because they said this movie is like a Sons of Anarchy episode. And everybody said it is basically <laughs> a Sons of Anarchy episode. I've never seen Sons of Anarchy. I was like, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just very, very tame. Um, you know, being bikers, you expect a little bit more brutality. But it's just – they're just there. Like even the shootouts are just kind of bleh. Yeah. But anyways. I've never seen Sons of Anarchy. I don't, I don't – I have no idea. But um, yeah. Wow. Right on. How many movies was that? Uh, I don't know. I saw almost 40 I think. And I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you covered 40. So there's ones you haven't even covered. Um, well, no. I Almost 40 I guess. I don't know. I think I maybe saw – 35 37 Damn. something like that wow what was the uh what was the your favorite place you ate at dude it sucked this year because there was um uh most of the place like you don't really get is that historically fantastic fest there's like two hour breaks between films this year the programming was so great in the time that you only had about 45 minutes between movies good the movies didn't run as late um and they didn't uh you know they started earlier this year um but they didn't run as late 
Uh, but the time gaps, the most I ever had was like an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. So you had to um, stay close most by. of the places, yeah, most of the places closed down, honestly, which was weird. A lot of the restaurants nearby. So, um, I only had a couple places I could eat. Huh. Um, but mostly I had to stick to draft house food cause I didn't have a choice, but I ate light. I didn't eat a lot at the, I kind of starved myself. Um, apparently John, John Barkham, uh, Barkham, Barkham, he, uh, he maintained his goal. He didn't gain any weight, which I remember he was right. saying he was all worried that he would, uh, he would gain weight. Yeah. You, you could play it safe, especially when it comes to draft house food, because I don't really like to eat a lot of it because I don't like, uh, the grease they cook their shit in. So I ate pretty light. Um, I only ate like, like maybe twice a day. If gotcha. that. So, uh, right I was trying to be very careful. Damn. All right. Well, there we go, man. We got through them all. Good yeah, job. You guys need to come next time. I know. I need to make it work. Totally. All right. Uh, any final words from anybody? Yeah, nothing too much. I mean, I know there's a lot of people saying that Fantastic Fest won't be Fantastic Fest next year. No, I think there's too um, many people involved for it to really go away. Uh, yeah. Fantastic Fest is bigger than Tim. Yeah. Um, so if, even if he steps back from it, people are still going to continue Fantastic Fest. Uh, it might not all be at the Draft House. You know, because there's plenty of theaters around, kind of like what they do for South by Southwest, where it's like eight theaters around town. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for Fantastic Fest. Uh, I have, like I said, I have no idea. Um, I just hope it does continue with the right group of people that, uh, you know, is kind of given to the people that actually do the work. You know, Tim's the face of Fantastic Fest, but I really think it needs to be handed over to Kristen Bell not the actress. And, um, you know, they have a solid programming team. Um, and I think, uh, you know, with Evram, uh, leading it, they have, uh, you know, I think it's, I think they have four, four guys, two girls. Um, and, um, you know, I think they do a killer job of programming. Um, I think, I think they can really make, uh, this is a stepping stone stone to making, the film community better. Um, I think overturning these stones uh, is going to be significant change and spark change, which I, I'm looking forward to. And I'm really looking forward to next fantastic best to see if that momentum keeps up. And um, in this kind of, like I said, turning over rocks continues. So that way we can have a safe and comfortable time for everybody especially uh women um and you know i think I, would, I think that would be killer like i said it's changed a lot for eight years and i hope to continue to see change so awesome uh, is the woman from something weird lisa yes okay just want to make sure we got her name on yeah yeah lisa that's her name i said lorraine i think but yeah so yeah uh, Lisa's Lisa's a great person, and she does a lot of work to keep cinema alive. Very cool. All right, well, um, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. I want to thank all you guys for listening. Please check out our sponsors. Uh, go to thescreamcast.com/sponsors. You can check out uh, Vinegar Syndrome there. Uh, Coffee Shop of Horrors. You can get ten percent off your order if you use the coupon code Screamcast. 
grindhousevideo.com. I know he's been moving in the whole, uh, the whole hurricane stuff. Um, he wasn't affected too much, but he's been doing a lot of moving and stuff. But, uh, please check out, uh, check in with him on all that. Um, Wolfman of Mars, thank you for the music and Kevin Spencer at inksplatters.com for the artwork. Also want to give a shout out to maintain M A I N T A I N N, uh, for keeping our site secure. You can check them out, um, through the link on our site over at thescreamcast.com down there at the bottom. So please click that, uh, so they know that you're checking it out if you're interested in web security. Um, also, please uh, continue to check out our pins. We have the Pumpkin Daddy that we are raising money for Dustin Pace's uh, wife, Tiffany. Um, we still have some left. We're going to start shipping those out very soon. So they are in, and we'll start shipping them out if you've ordered them. And I want to thank all of you for your patience while waiting for those and, um, and all that. So um, also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash uh, dang it. How did I do that? Scream underscore cast. Is that what I did? Dang it. I took, I took, I, I've been messing with the site trying to fix it and I took down all of our, uh, social media links. So the Patreon link isn't even, isn't even up there. <laughs> Good job, Sean. <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash scream underscore cast. I know we've had a lot of people leaving, uh, cause we haven't been doing our special, uh, episode and, uh, that's warranted. It's fine. I get it. So, you know, if you love the show and, and you like what we do, feel free to, be, you know, be a patron. We're trying to get back around to the extra stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot's been going on. Brad's been traveling. There's been a lot of bullshit going on. Uh, and we've just, you know, have a lot. So, uh, those of the, so those of you who have stayed on as patrons, thank you so much. And, uh, we need, we will be doing some more drawings very soon for all of our $5 and up patrons. So, uh, with that said, Thank you for listening. We'll talk to all of you guys next time. Um, Bye-bye. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.